welcome to this special podcast, uh, Corona Update Part 2. Um, today I have uh, a few special friends that um, I know that are currently working in the field um, of health. Uh, one works in the hospital, one works in a nursing home and another one is a paramedic. And um, yeah, I thought I'd get them on just to kind of share their point of view about the current situation. Um, and yeah, just any other thoughts that they have. Um, you know, of course, all of us, we can hear right now, like all over the news, um, all these different information. And I guess a few of us are quite confused about um, the, the coronavirus itself. But um, yeah, I guess the whole point today is to kind of um, just talk more about it and just have that conversation. Hopefully we can all get something out of it. Um, yeah, so first of all, um, I'd like to introduce them to you so it's Tao, Caleb and James. How are you guys? Good thanks. Uh, well thank you. Very well thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah I guess I'll just start with you James just in terms of introducing yourself what you do um, and yeah we'll just go from there. Uh, thank you for welcoming me onto your podcast. Uh, yes yeah, so I'm James. I'm a paramedic so I've been a paramedic now for four years. I've worked in a wide range of places. So I started my work through the London Ambulance Service. So I finished, I studied at ACU um, in Melbourne, and then I went worked in London for just over two years. And now I currently work in Shepparton in country Victoria. So for, yeah. And so, yeah. And then I, obviously, this has been an interesting time to be a paramedic. I guess we often hear the word frontline, but I think during this coronavirus outbreak, um, all our jobs have really been highlighted as frontline jobs. And so, yeah, I'm interested to have a chat with other frontline people as well. Awesome. Thanks, Jane. Uh, how about you, Tal? Um, yes. Well, oh, thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be on your podcast. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, yes, I, I uh, graduated last year and I only recently started my grad year um, in one of the bigger um, public hospitals um, and yeah it's been really interesting I'm currently in the rehab ward which uh, don't have a lot of COVID patients but we do have a lot of elderly patients who are the most at risk um, yeah and it's just been an interesting time to see how uh, everything has changed and um yeah and it's yeah it's it's great to come up here and see how everybody's experiencing it and see how we're all coping mm. cool thanks tao over to you caleb yeah thanks for having me over field um yeah my name's um i've been a nurse for about two years now working at aged care um yeah and thankfully yeah, my HK hasn't been affected yet, but yeah, just as uh, James said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to hear on each other's perspectives on how they're doing, um, especially relating to COVID-19. So yeah. Awesome. Thanks guys. Um, yeah. So overall, I just kind of, um, for me, I've been hearing a lot of different information all over the media, but um, you know, with everything going on you usually hear in the news you know everyone's type everyone's trying to complain you know it's saying oh the coronavirus isn't much you know it's just pretty much another version of the flu you know 
and the only people that are passing away are those who are old you know what's the point like why should i even care about this whole situation you know um at the at the end of the day you know people who are old they pass away from the flu each year um so why do we have to kind of um treat this seriously you know why do we have to be put um into lockdown um yes i I guess from your point of views how would you approach someone with that sort of view do you know what i I must say uh when covid first started i was probably a little bit skeptical of what it was too um probably because it hasn't had hit our shores and it was so new that we didn't really understand what it was but now we've we're now heading into august we've probably had around probably like in australia since march probably like a good four to five months of understanding what COVID is and seeing how it works and globally there is more research being done and examinations into the patients and uh, i can confirm that it is a lot more worse than the flu because the things that we're finding with COVID is it's a lot more contagious, it's a lot more severe, and the long-lasting effects, it actually causes damage to your, you know, if you catch the flu, which I probably catch the flu every year through work or just being around people, I recover. But we actually have young people, you know, in their 20s and 30s who actually don't have COVID anymore but are still struggling to get back to there. They're not 100%. This is like people who've recovered, you know, two, three, four months because there is longer lasting damage. It's not just, you know, a virus that attacks your body and then your body is able to get rid of it within seven days. The symptoms are worse and the longer lasting effects of it. So if if you're actually looking at the data, there are actually young people in intensive care units or ICUs, so they're talking about the news. So we're actually not immune. And if listeners on this, ICU means that you need to be, so usually in a hospital, um, Tao could probably talk more about this, the ratio of patients, and so is Caleb, is usually one nurse to four patients. When you're in, obviously, overnight shift, that's a bit more. But to be in intensive care means you've got one nurse to one patient. So you've got one nurse for eight to 12 hours shifts looking after you because you need that attention. So that's just showing how severe it is. And then on the other end of severity is people who need to be um, intubated on respirators. We hear that word respirators a lot. But what it really means is they have to induce you into a coma. Then they have to put a tube down to your uh, trachea, which is your windpipe, down to your lungs. And there's a cuff, a balloon that blows up and it creates a seal. And then the machine breathes for you. And so, and that's because we're trying to, get the body to be able to heal itself, the lungs particularly. And we don't really normally see this in the flu. So the severity of the illness itself is greater and it is one that is, that's why there's so much concern worldwide about it in Australia. So yeah, obviously uh, we understand more about it now and living in Australia was so lucky because we actually get to see what happened in China, in UK, in Italy, and we get to learn from all those things we can prepare a bit better. But definitely a lot more deadly and severe than the flu. Oh, cool. Thanks, that, James. No, I didn't know that stuff, so that's awesome. Cheers. Yes. How about you, Tara? Yes. I guess you actually work at the hospital. Um, yeah. Like, 
um, yeah, thanks, James. That was really insightful. Um, but yeah, I think with the hospital updates, uh, not even once a week, we get updated every day, um, which just show goes to show how, I guess, um, like how fast in terms of uh, the changes are occurring around COVID. And um, we get updates on new findings, um, new symptoms, uh, I guess, new numbers that's occurring worldwide just to show us, you know, how cautious we need to be. And um, yeah, like what James said, it's, it's definitely more severe than the flu in terms that it does leave, um, yeah, like long lasting effects after that it's, it's occurred. And, um, you know, with, with COVID, I think everyone's kind of thinking, oh, it has like a 14 day life, which is why we're being isolated for 14 days but actually the the idea of isolating yourself for 14 days is that it can take up to 14 days to show symptoms and it has an intubation period of about 24 days so within 24 days you could be carrying COVID around and you just never know and like what James said before it's so contagious that um, it's it's not only affecting the elderly obviously it can be worse in elderly whose immune system are kind of a bit lower than um, younger people. But yeah, like even with um, younger um, people, their immune system can be, um, I guess there's patients who are like neutropedic and they don't really have an immune system, so they can't fight uh, COVID. And um, so it's not always the elderly that gets it. and. Um, I think each day uh, we try and protect ourselves more by wearing like PPE and stuff. But yeah, every day it changes and we find more um, information about COVID. Um, yeah, so not so much a weekly thing. I, I think there's so much research going on at the moment, like how to manage it better and things like that. Um, yeah, and I think we're, we're learning every day how to cope with it. But it's definitely... Um, I guess you can't really compare it to the flu. It's different and there's different onsets and different symptoms that goes with it. Of course, it um, affects the respiratory system, but yeah, the effects are different to the flu. And of course, with COVID, you can't just get like a flu shot and it'll go away. We're still working towards that. So yeah, I think people can't really treat it as the flu because it's so it's so different. We're, um, we're not there yet. Mm. Mm. Thanks for that, Tao. Um, very insightful. Um, and over you, Caleb, I guess, uh, um, working at a nursing home, um, what do you kind of know about it from your point of view? Yeah, I feel like um, James and Tao definitely explained it really well. I don't think I have to add anything to that at all. Um, but I guess in the term, um, yeah, I guess with aged care, um, the term yeah, fear is really relevant and expo uh, like, I guess it, it's real because it's, as you have heard from the news, it's, it's just starting to, it's starting to um, just scatter everywhere from aged care to aged care. And because the reality is, um, I guess in aged care work, um, most nurses don't just stick to one aged care. They, they work at a few other aged cares. So they, they jump around and that's just the reality of, I guess, nursing at aged care. And so that actually 
contributes to transmitting it to other places. Um, and yeah, and <clears throat> being elderly, like obviously their immune system's a lot weaker. So I guess that's why they're really vulnerable. Um, thankfully, I haven't seen any cases at mine, like I've said before. And I don't know what that looks like, but um, I guess just following up with what James said, um, the reason why they do pass is that at a certain period of time, that um, respiratory, your respiratory system just gives up on you. And so um, you, you can't be on that breathing, uh, um, what do you call it, the apparatus for so long. There has to be a certain time where we have to decide look, we're going to have to turn this off and use use this machine for someone else because you've got to understand these machines are probably millions of dollars worth. And, yeah, it's it's helping you to live now, but there'll, there'll be a certain period of time where, yeah, we have to make that decision and say, I'm sorry, we've got to use it for someone else. Um, and so that's when it gets kind of, yeah, scary. But, yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for um, kind of giving me that update in all your certain areas. Um, I guess this question is for all of you. Um, let's just say the common person that contracts coronavirus. Um, you know, if if everything goes well and they're quite healthy, um, like what's the normal sort of outcome with that? Do they just um, rest at home and after two weeks it will all be okay again? Or I think the, thing, the most important thing is COVID affects everyone very differently. And I think... We're probably the news is probably oversaturated with so many stories. So definitely, you see stories of you know the ninety-five-year-old woman or man get recover from hospital, which is actually possible, but the likelihood of that happening is quite low because they are the most like um, Tao said before they're the most vulnerable. But just say for the general listeners, like you know the, whether you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, the recovery rate is quite good. Like we, we just understand the long term because we've only this we've only been exposed to COVID since you know the start of the year, so there's going to be ongoing studies to show the long-lasting effects, as we said. But um, definitely, and I've I've actually had friends not in Australia but in the UK who are paramedics who have had COVID, and they just describe it as um, so feeling really short of breath. So one of my friends couldn't really walk around because it was, it was making him short of breath. And he's a very fit male. One of them described of having like migraine, like headaches for three days. Um, and yeah, and then they've all now recovered. We don't really see any effects. Um, but then you see other 20 year olds as well, who may not generally think that they're healthy, but then the virus affects them in a different way. Um, overseas, we've seen more younger people even die from it, whether it was because they had what we call comorbidities, which is other factors that lead to it. So whether they have other diseases, whether they are obese, whether they are, you know, a smoker, chronic smokers, or they, you know, um, that we don't know. Also, the um, in overseas, the transmission rate is a lot worse. You know, you see in America, you know, 70,000 cases a day, 4 million cases overall. When you have something like a virus that's transmitting through so many people, it has an opportunity to mutate itself more. The more people it um, gets infected, the more people that give it to each other, the more opportunity it has itself to uh, mutate, which is scary because it can go either way. 
can mutate to kind of dial down or can mutate and become worse. And that's why we don't want to take chances because if it comes worse and it starts becoming more vicious, then it won't, we, our death toll won't just be reflective in the you know, 70s, 80s and 90s. We'll be younger people who will be dying. And I think people are a bit, I think people are also really fatigued by the message that's being sent out there and then using this excuse that only affects old people to justify their actions. And I think that's, we'll probably talk about it later on, but I definitely think that you're not immune, whether you're a healthy 20 year old or not, if you get it, it can actually cause damage to not only your lungs, but the, your, what we call your vascular system to so the blood, you know, your veins and capillaries and arteries, it can actually damage them. We don't even know how much damage it can cause. The research is start, just starting to come out right now. So don't, I think better to be cautious than to be naive because you don't want to be caught out and be one of those people who get this damage and, you know, it, really, it might not kill you this year, but it might actually shorten your lifespan in the long run. We don't know. So I think it's really important to be careful. Thanks for that, James. We appreciate it. That's 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 crazy when I think about it. Um, cool. Well, thanks guys for giving that um, sort of update about your current situations. Um, I'll just go into more detail about um, I guess you guys in the actual working field um, and just you know the current situation right now. So I can start with you, Caleb, and for you, um, how is it just having to work? Um, at a nursing home um, what are the procedures there um, and how are the residents um, approaching the situation um, and yeah I guess from your point of view um, how do you see it kind of looking in the long run and how it can affect um, the situation at the nursing home yeah um, I guess when it first started um, it was a, all a bit of a yeah mystery as a, as how it would actually be like working with, you know, this environment that we're in. But, um, yeah, as we, we actually, you know, we're progressing a little bit and it got better. Um, but now about two weeks ago when, yeah, we were hit by the second wave. Um, yeah, I guess now everyone's just a lot more fearful. There's a lot more fear at aged care, um, fear of, you know, contracting this virus. Um, fear of giving it to the elderly because you know we're in this environment where we're looking after them and yeah you don't want to be the cause um, and so what I'm seeing a lot happening right now is this blame game happening where I feel like which is a bit unfair it's not really happening with us um, as healthcare workers it's it's mostly being portrayed in the media which is you know something I don't really agree with because you know at the end of the day, we're, we're all trying to do our best um, just to make a living and we're doing, you know, our best to help these people. And, yeah, we're, we're stuck in this environment where no matter how cautious you are, you you probably will catch it. And, and if you're a healthcare worker, you're probably 90%. You have a, more of a chance of contracting it. Um, and I guess it's their job also to kind of backtrack and, you know, see... Uh, how did you get it to kind of figure it out? And, and then we can kind of um, isolate those people as well, which I know is important, but I guess what I want to iterate is we as health workers shouldn't claim, play that blame game. 
Um, and yeah, now I feel like the fear is moving towards, ah, oh, how can I pay my mortgage? Because basically um, what's happening now is at aged care, they're stopping nurses from working at different facilities. So um, in my in my case, um, I've got a lot of carers that PCAs, um, carers who um, work at multiple facilities. And so they've been asked not to, to pick one. Um, and so that's why we've been a little bit short as well. Um, sometimes I'll be the only nurse uh, or there'll be two nurses in the facility instead of four. And that just doubles the workload. Um, and that's something you can't really help because, um, yeah, like people, like we ask other nurses to come and help us. Um, and that's how kind of it works. But now that they've stopped that, um, yeah, the workload just doubles naturally. Um, so I guess that's one of the challenges we have to face. But at the same time, we do understand that it's it's needed to help eliminate um, yeah cross-contamination between the facilities. Um, so yeah, I guess now that's where it's coming down to um, the fear of uh, some some nurses and carers. Uh, they rely on having multiple jobs to kind of you know pay their mortgage, pay their their car loans and all that sort of stuff, put their kids to school. Um, and, but now it's being cut down to just one job and that, that one job may not be able to give you full-time work. Whereas, you know, your three jobs were giving you full-time work. Um, so yeah, it's, I think right now we're just waiting for the government to kind of finalize everything. Um, Cause right now um, lots of different facilities are saying different things. They've all got their own kind of policies on these things. Um, so I, I think by Monday, I think we're waiting for the final word and then we're just going to hear from head office on what the final say is. And then hopefully by that, the people, you know, creating the rosters can, can evenly distribute work out to, to everybody, um, who needs it. Yeah. Um, and I guess more specific to you in terms of, so obviously because you work in a nursing home, um, like you obviously have to be a bit more careful about what you do with the other time. So obviously, you know, you head to work and then is it for you, do you just get recommended to just stay at home and that's pretty much it? Or, um, yeah, I, I guess how does that sort of work? Because obviously since you're around the elderly a lot, um, yeah. if you contract it, yeah. yeah, that's not a good situation obviously. So you obviously have to be a bit more careful. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I had a bit, I had a bit of a scare two weeks ago actually um i was working and then all of a sudden i felt really really warm and hot and i just kind of you know brushed it off because you know when you're running around of course you get warm and hot right but then i started to feel a bit fatigued and i didn't feel like eating um so i got a bit worried i checked my temperature and it was pretty high 38.7 checked again it was still around that number um so i i told my yeah the iron in charge uh, oh no i've got these symptoms what do I do? She immediately said, I think you should go home, which made perfect sense. Um, so I didn't, I didn't go home. I went straight to the hospital and I thought, you know, might as well get swabbed now to get the, the results as soon as I can. And thankfully, since I was a healthcare worker with symptoms, they took me in straight away and 
Yeah, within 24 hours, just a little bit over, I got my results being negative. But man, uh, like that one day isolation that I was in, all these negative thoughts were just, <laughs> just like going through me. Like, oh, if I have it, that means my family probably has it. And yeah, I still live with my parents and my dad's got some comorbidities. So I was fearing that he would contract it. And then obviously the possibility of that I was working that night. Um, what if I gave it to someone? Um, then I, I would have had, I would have been the cause to why they contracted it and possibly, you know, died. But thankfully it came back negative. Um, so I guess in, in my workplace, um, the policy is if you're sick, don't come to work. Um, dead, like that's really dead, dead on serious. Like just even if you've got the sniffles, just like try not to go to work. Any symptoms whatsoever with the flu, don't come. And um, yeah, if you happen to become sick during work, you just go home. And now we're, on, we're doing this thing where if you are sick, um, you need to be tested straight away um, and you can't come back to work until, um, yeah, we, we see the results as negative and you still have to isolate yourself for 14 days because sometimes, as Tao said, um, it takes a while. It doesn't mean like, oh, you're sick now. Um, yeah, and then you get the results because um, you took it in day one, but the um what do you call it? The virus can mature later on maybe in day three, day four, and it's come back as, you know, negative, but then it progresses later on. So, so you should be isolated for 14 days. You can't come to work, which is, uh, yeah, hurting everyone's pocket. Um, but thankfully the, yeah, the government, I guess, is putting all these, um, bonuses down for healthcare workers and, um, yeah, really helping them in that department. Um, and, I guess one thing I'll add is, yeah, we're all wearing masks now, which I'm thankful for. Um, at the start, um, everyone was against wearing masks because of um, they just didn't believe in it. And I was actually on that kind of, um, yeah, I was on that mindset as well. But now that I'm wearing it, it's just, it gives you an extra like peace of mind that, you know, you're not touching your face as much. Um, and it actually does decrease chances because, you know, I, I even though it's not re, research hasn't said it yet, but I do believe um, it can be spread through. Like, you know, it's it's airborne; it's all around us. Like, and that's been proven by the way it's been kind of um, it's spreading so quickly. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll finish off with that point. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. that's been happening. Yeah. Thanks, Joe and Caleb. Um, yeah, over to you, Tao. So, how's 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 everything going at the um at the hospital? You work at the Austin, was it? Yes, I do. Yeah, it's been different at the hospital. Uh, similarly to Caleb, we've started wearing masks um, as well, um, and we're implementing uh, eye shields to protect ourselves uh, from patients. And I think. Um, Thankfully, none of the healthcare workers at my hospital has gotten COVID on the COVID ward. Um, and obviously, we believe that, you know, we are better protected knowing what we're facing. So um, if there's ever a suspect, uh, like a suspected COVID patient, we would 
um, put on full PPE and uh, we believe that that protects us uh, from getting anything and also spreading anything. So we're quite on top of things um, and especially on my ward if there's ever anyone that shows mild symptoms like just a, a little deviation from their normal temperature, we would uh, put them in a single bed um, put up signs to make sure we have like full PPE when we're going into the bed and then stripping it all off when we leave the room. Um, so yeah, things like that and little measures like that really protects us and our patients. Um, so yeah, uh, thankfully no one's gotten it, uh, dealing directly with COVID patients. And I think the only time that uh, anybody has ever gotten COVID who works at a hospital um, are those who don't have protection gears on and they're kind of looking after a patient who we didn't know had COVID. So um, with these extra measures in place, I do believe it's a lot more um, safe for us and for our patients. Um, so yeah, those has been kind of the changes that um, are being implemented. So just the extra mask and the extra protection throughout your shift, um, which can be quite annoying. I mean, eight hour shift with, I guess, a face mask on and also like um, an eye shield on uh, can be a bit difficult. But uh, yeah, I think during this time, um, it's the best that we can do for ourselves and it's, it's the best that we can do for the people we're caring for. Um, so yeah, I think the hospital's doing their best to make sure we contain it where we know um, it's present. And uh, like I said before, we're monitoring it every day. So every day we get updates on, you know, what else we need to do. Um, so yeah, we're currently screening every single person that comes into the hospital uh, in all of our sites. We would check their temperature and obviously ask them the questions, you know, whether you've been overseas, whether you've been in contact with another person who is like a suspected COVID. Um, yeah, and just these little measures help us um, deal better with the situation. Um, and I think another thing that the hospital is doing is limiting um, the, uh, I guess, incoming um, visitors. So uh, in my facility, we're stopping visitors altogether. So no visitors are allowed, which is so tough uh, on the patients because obviously family support is quite crucial. Um, but like I said, during these times, it's the protection of um, our staff and our patients that's paramount. And um, I think the hospital's doing really well in terms of, yeah, like providing um, that extra layer of protection in just like, you know, an uncertain time. Thanks, Tal, for sharing. Um, yeah, last but not least, Mr. Mr. Paramedic over here, Mr. James. Um, yeah, how's, how's, how's everything going Um from a paramedic's point of view. Um, yeah. Mr. Paramedic sounds so formal, Phil. Mr. <laughs> sounds like I'm like, so much older. Um, I think, so yeah, first of all, so the, just bring back the issue of masks, uh, obviously in uh, Melbourne and Mitchell Shire, so just the um, local government area just above Melbourne, for which a lot of people actually travel into Melbourne for work uh, wearing mandatory masks. So, I work in Shepparton, so just above that. So I'm 
we're not required to. Um, but I think it's really important to bring up the fact that um, you can spread COVID-19 without being symptomatic. I think it's really important. So, and that's really important for us healthcare workers is we could feel completely fine and then still spread this virus without even having a sniffle, without having a temperature, without having a short of breath. This is why this COVID is so dangerous because it's, that's the, there's a silent part of it where we can't, we don't even know. So um, like these guys, before I get to work, I have to check my temperature before I even get in the door. And so dealing because I take my temp temperature of all my patients, obviously I see less patients than everyone else because I'm one-on-one or two-on-one. Um, and um, usually the threshold for any temperature really previous to COVID-19 is 38.3 volts. So if you have a temperature above 38.3, that means we've got called febrile or you're having a temperature. And now that's lowered down now. So our limit now, especially in ambulance, is 37.5. And previous to COVID-19, if I went to a patient, if I had a temperature of 37.5, it's normal. You know, it's very, you know, anyone with a temperature of 36, 37 is normal. It's when you kind of hit that 38 mark that we classify you as having a temperature. But that's why we're trying to catch it even that, even that low end. It's very low grade. We call it a low grade temperature. And so even to our standards, we're being extra cautious now. So even if you have a little, if your temperature is a little bit, see so if I get to work and I have a temperature of 37.5 on the dot, I literally have to sit down for 10 minutes away from other people. So social distance and see maybe because I'm just a bit flushed because I maybe I ran to work or I'm, you know, and then if I check it again, it was still 37.5 or above, I have to go home and get tested straight away. And so this, like Caleb said, um, in Melbourne, in some facilities, um, if you're a healthcare worker and usually at the hospitals, uh, your results are returning within 24 hours. Uh, I got tested recently in the country and my results, my, in the country, some of our tests, because Melbourne is overwhelmed, my tests had to be sent to Queensland, so it took three days as a priority person because I needed to get back to work. So there's, um, there's that factor as well. So, you know, we're trying to catch it really early. It's my point is like, you know, something that I would have not bad an eyelid of six months ago, you know, is now we're trying to catch it early because you can spread it asymptomatically. So you might not have. And so that's why if people are a bit apprehensive or they're just, or this mask is you might be a carrier and spreading it without even knowing it. And are you wearing a mask and by the next person wearing masks and by the social distancing, you reduce all those risks. There's still a little bit of risk, obviously, but it's significantly reduced. And with all these, like, it's really hard to talk about, you know, obviously we're going through a second wave and the cause of the second wave, but definitely um, if you are against masks, it's the right thing to do. And it took the government a long time to make that decision because of all the backlash. But it's going to save lives, definitely. And so on the ambulance point of view, so I'm doing all those checks before I get to work. We wear masks now. In Melbourne, all the paramedics have to wear masks at station. So when you're, even when you're at station, as do the nurses as well, we're all wearing, you know, we're wearing masks at hospital. Uh, when I go to a job, I have my gloves, my mask, and then my goggles. I actually wear like these sealed goggles. And 
So you're probably seeing a lot of things about people getting their glasses fogged up, whereas I have to work in the goggles and they're really foggy. So we're trying to work out a few ways of countering that. And then um, before I approach a patient, I stand 1.5 metres away and I have to ask them the questions, you know, have you been short of breath? Have you had a cough, um, a sniffle? Have you had, you know, a temperature or a fever? Have you been around anyone with COVID-19? And because I work in country, have you been to Melbourne? And then they give me all their answers and they say no. And then, then I can proceed. But if they say yes to any of these things, I then have to go out and I have to put a splash gown, which you've probably seen. It's like a plastic gown. Um, in, or I could put the full Tyvek suit, which is the white suit you've seen on TV, which is like the full suit wrapped around. And, um, and then I proceed and I have to assess this whole patient and take care, like care for them and then take them to hospital in this whole suit if they are suspected COVID, so any suspected. Um, obviously, that's not ideal. It's especially the Tyvek suits. So when you guys see those, imagine wearing a plastic bag and sealing all your body and imagine, like even with a splash gown, like I wear it for maybe a couple of hours and my sweat is pooling under it because it, I'm not allowing any air in because I don't want to let any air to touch my body or my uniform. And um, we have to carry a second pair of uniform as well as Ambos uh, because say, you know, like Tao said before, I go to a patient and they don't tell you the right information and then they say, oh, actually, you know, I actually had a cough and I've been actually close to them for, you know, 15 minutes. I've actually now breached and I've been a potential exposure. And it's really common in ambulance because people are so stressed and they don't, can't give you the right answer straight away until you have a chat with them, reassure them and calm them down. And so then I will have to go out, splash on and then, treat them and afterwards I have, have showers at the hospitals outside the ambulance space for um, paramedics to have a shower and then change into our second pair of uniform because obviously our first set could be potentially um, contaminated. So definitely a different workplace and I'm probably saying this um, as well, like be, our workplaces will probably change and be changed for a very long time. Like the places that we, I guess it's probably difficult now because you started with COVID, but you probably did placement in nursing is, you know, the wards, we're not, we're not sure we're going to have the same places to, like we're going to be working in the same places and the protocols and everything. And when for COVID first started coming out, it was changing every day. You were coming to work every day and you get a new piece of information. You can't do this. You can't do this because new research was coming every day. So definitely... Um, so definitely it's a different place to work. Uh, it's a good place to work actually, because it's probably, if you, you guys might attest to this, we've, our workplaces have probably never been cleaner. You know? We're really taking on, you know, cleaning out hygiene has probably never been better. Um, as healthcare professionals, obviously we get fatigued and we get tired and sometimes we can get a bit lax in like hand washing and you know, using PPE. But kind of COVID has reset all that now and we're really all on top of our PPE and we're really getting really good at it. And also as a general public, you know, you've probably been, you know, we've probably been to a restaurant before and eaten and grabbed foods without even thinking about washing, like we're just forgetting to wash our hands, but now there's a bottle of hand sanitizer there. Wash your hands before you get in, wash your hands when you touch something. And so if there's any positives coming away from COVID is it's actually reset and we're all really 
better with our hygiene, our personal hygiene, and for our health professionals, our you know, PPE, you know, our precautious hygiene as well. Thanks, James. Thanks for that. Really appreciate it for that um, all that information. Um, yeah, and for all of you guys, in terms of um, your own personal outlook, how are you guys going, and what's your outlook on the whole situation for now and for the few months to come, and I guess for the future. Um, honestly, this is such a crucial time to show love and to show care for your neighbour. Um, yeah, I think like what James said, the the biggest thing that I'm going to take away from this when it you know, passes is that, yeah, we're all just so much more aware of our surroundings and so much more aware of the person next to us. And um, I think you know, in Melbourne, we're obviously going through such a tough time, um, everyone in every single field. Um, and I think that's something that we're going to be able to look back on and relate to one another. And I guess, yeah, just appreciate our human interaction and just appreciate, you know, the care um, that you can show one another after this, um, knowing how hard it's been. Um, yeah, so I think that's something that I'm going to be um, taking away from COVID. Uh, obviously, it's still so new to all of us and it's, you know, um, there's no handbook that's been given to us on, to like, you know, how to handle it, how to, I guess, cope with, with it. But, um, yeah, I think the government's doing an, an immense job to providing for every person's needs and... Um, yeah, I think that's something that I'm going to be really looking back on and appreciating how we all work together to kind of got this, like, gone this far. Yeah, I agree with that, Tal. Um, and, yeah, just as what Tal said, yeah, I think this is a great time, especially for for me being a believer, um, to, to show that light, um, show, show that there is hope. Um, in this world and um, you can be that difference in in your facility Um, so I guess with me I'm just yeah just trying to be a bit more goofier at work just you know just (laughs) just to keep it light and not keep it so you know dark and like gloomy and like there's no hope like everyone's got to wear masks and like all these complaints are coming left right and center Um, so yeah it's it's important to kind of you know as a health worker just to keep your sanity just to keep it lighthearted, have a bit of a joke around here and there, especially to your other co-workers who can relate. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, um, so yeah, with, for me, I've been personally, I've been um, looking forward to to going into the front lines and um, seeing it as a privilege um, to be able to look after the elderly. Um, I guess that's the reason why I, I, I love working at aged care. But I feel like I, I have more of a purpose now and now, especially as um, COVID has hit, to, um, to, I guess, show a different aspect or side of nursing, not just like looking after them, but actually providing a bit of hope and laughter to them as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, um, Tao and Kevin. I definitely think that... Um, in a way, we as healthcare or frontline workers have a different uh, workplace environment in COVID is that we still see our colleagues, 
you know, everyone else is on Zoom in their rooms and they're working from home and they're doing their bit. And obviously by us doing our bit, we have to be present. So it does have its kind of advantage in that we actually still have that human connection with our colleagues and internal patients because we're to see them. But obviously at a risk. And I think it's, you know, just being light and positive. Um, Definitely think this is for Melbournians people in the Mitchellshire, it's round two for us, obviously. It's, you know, everyone talks about the second wave, the second lockdown. But I think it definitely is uh, if people could, we've got four weeks to go, or just three and a half, and they're going to reassess. But this is our second time around. So we've had round one and people have tried a few things and people panic bought. And, you know, round two, I think we're a bit more prepared. You know, there's hand sanitizer, there's lots of hand sanitizer, lots of tissue paper. There's all that lot of stuff. And maybe we can actually reassess and actually, oh, this didn't really work round one. And maybe this time around round two, I can do these things and I can focus on these hobbies. Or And also what's really important in this second round of lockdown is to touch base with your friends and family and just giving them a message. And we are all still going out there and we're, trying to exercise in our local areas but kind of assessing that okay so i know that so and so lives in this area and i'm going to go to you know the supermarket tonight i'm just going to message them do they need anything are they missing anything at home and i can like just drop the drive by drop it in front of their front door and then go when i when i I got tested two weeks ago and you know obviously when you get tested you have to isolate it straight away so you go get tested you go from the testing center to your house. You don't really have time to, you can't go to the supermarket or you can't. And so you have to really utilize, you like have to call a few mates and be like, oh, can you just get me a few supplies because I can't actually make it to the you know, supermarket and then drop by my house and then I'll call you and thank you later. You know, we'll go for, have a Zoom or whatever. And I think that's really important just to look after each other in that way, you know. So next time you're at the supermarket, I'm sure we're all part of like, a gazillion WhatsApp groups and messenger groups and yeah, just shooting a message to your friends and like others, you know, the ones in your area, like do you need anything? I can drop it by your house and obviously we can't say hi to each other or anything or, but at least we can actually just help each other out in that way. It's important. I also want to really, before we go is it's really important that if you have symptoms is to go get tested and then stay at home until you get your results. You know, um, Daniel Andrews put it on his Facebook page the other day that was like the percentage was so high, the amount of people that weren't going home after they got tested and they weren't staying home until the results, they got the results. And that's where the outbreaks, that takes one person. You don't want to be that one person that goes, oh, I don't have it. Because we all think we're scared that we do have it, but inside we're like, oh, we probably don't have it. And then you go to the supermarket and you spread it, you know. And this, this is how these local outbreaks start, is the people that take the chance. And I know it's hard, you know, some results, I think some of people got tested the drive-ins and it t- took a week and it's really hard to in turn be the reverse. So when you are going to the, your supermarkets and buying things to think about people who might be, might be isolating. And if you are isolating to speak up and be like to your friends, Hey guys, I'm actually isolating. If you are going to the supermarket, let me know, you know, something like that for their birthdays instead of like sending them a present, maybe sending them an Uber Eats voucher or, you know, a Deliveroo voucher or a menu log voucher or something they can use, stuff like that, just looking after each other. And, yeah, we're definitely going to get through this. Um, and we just have to really, this second time around, really um, check in on each other and really checking on our mental health is really important as well. You know, I think it's another thing 
we're really lucky to live in 2020 where we can actually talk about our mental health. And definitely it's okay to be down in the dumps. It's okay to be not feeling good or not motivated or sad or anxious. It's okay to feel all those things. I think the issue is for, for you as a person to ask your friends and if you are going through those things, to just speak up and be like, yeah, I'm not having a bad day. I'm not having a bad day. I'm not having a great day. And talk about, I actually am feeling anxious. And the more we address about mental health, the more we talk about it, the easier it is. You know, the first time it might be really hard to send that message. But the more we talk about it, the second, the third, the fourth time, it gets easier. And then we make that environment available around our friends. And it's a really safe environment that we can just be really honest with each other and look after each other in a good way. Awesome. Thanks, James, and thank you to all you three um, for giving up your time. And, yeah, I, I guess on behalf of all of us who aren't really working on the front lines, we really appreciate your work um, and the sacrifices that you guys make. Um, yeah, I just hope that, yeah, um, everyone out there takes this seriously and um, wears a mask and just chooses to, to do their bit to kind of help this, um, this whole situation. Um, but, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on and um, I really appreciate you guys um, just opening up and talking about your situations and um, everyone stay safe. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no worries. All right. Thanks, guys.